Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Hey guys, welcome into Purple Daily, a daily Viking show in podcast and YouTube form, five days a week, sometimes more than that, just depending on how much we pump out. Uh, and today, Vikings training camp notes centered around the potential star rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, and how he is progressing. But a quick word for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, they've been on board at Score North for a number of years here, and they've been supporting local business owners in the state of Minnesota for 100-plus years, based in Owatonna. It's a Minnesota-based company. And if you're a business owner and you're going through the most tumultuous year of your life, from a business standpoint, Federated is here to help guard you against everyday challenges and block risks that could land your business in a tough spot. Federated is here with trusted resources at federatedinsurance.com where you can find out more information. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Welcome in to Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, another Vikings training camp notes edition of Purple Daily, what are we now? How, what are we like? Two and a half weeks from the start of the regular season? That's my math. September September thirteenth right? it starts. Holy so cow. we are yeah yep two approximately and a half two and a half weeks from the Green Bay Packers coming to U.S. Bank Stadium. Amazing, where and there will be no fans. The the frozen tundra of U.S. Bank Stadium. No, there's not going to be fans inside the stadium for the first two home games. We found that out. Um, yesterday, and, so, we, and we talked about the lack of. Are fans they going to play the school? Are they going to play the school chimes and just have like a, a baked in school chant? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they'll do like all this? of those. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And they should. They can still do this. I bet the NFL will find a way and, and the Vikings to make it a cool atmosphere. And quick question for you: mm-hmm. Do you think that it's fair? Because b- baseball came up with a plan across the board. No fans. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's fair of the league to allow fans in certain places, obviously with restrictions towards what that state allows, um, to certain teams and say, hey, if your state allows it, it's fine, but then there's a lot of teams that obviously can't have fans? It is not fair from a competitive standpoint, factually. Like, it's not even really an opinion. Like, it's you're giving, you're giving one team... And we don't know what the numbers are going to be. We don't know if, like, like Dallas is one of the teams that look, that's looking to put fans in their stadium. Right. Well, if they're going to put 5,000 fans in there, it doesn't really change the game that much. But if they're going to put, like, fifteen or 20,000 fans in that stadium, mm-hmm. that changes the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. 
and and you're 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 gonna be you're gonna be combining you know some of the music and you know whatever the Dallas equivalent of this is that makes a difference and it and it prevents the Vikings as a road team or any other road team. No, do the Vikings get the Cowboys at home or in Dallas? Remind here. me. They get them here. It's here this year. So, but any team going to Dallas would be at a disadvantage, potentially having to do absolutely you know, silent snap counts. I don't know. So factually, it is a disadvantage to teams that don't have fans. But I understand that the NFL is just looking to generate revenue, mm-hmm. like all the money that they're going to lose on ticket sales. I get it. Like if you can even recoup ten percent of it or fifteen percent of it, you're going to try. But there's so, so I understand it. I, I get your point, but they're so big and powerful that I think the competitive advantage is the more important thing. Like baseball has said, no fans. Yeah, which I sort of just say, okay, that's fair. I think with with how many curveballs 2020 is going to throw at teams and at players, and there's, you know, in all sports, lots of weird things. The NFL can afford to say, until we all can have fans back, you can't have fans. Well, they can afford to say that. But that, but you're now you're bringing up like sort of a macro philosophy well, that our country is staring at right now. That, sure, yeah, but like, if, of course, billionaires can afford to sure, do a lot of things. But, but if but, base, but if baseball can say it, which they did, and baseball is fundamentally far more screwed up, if they can say fair is fair here, yeah, then I think football could too. Don't you think though that you're making all that as TV greedy cash. as baseball owners are, and as much as baseball owners are willing to let their sport like die a slow death, and even like miss like if the players have to strike, like the owners are like all right, whatever. I mean, I guess we don't have to pay you. See you later. Great. That football owners are kind of similar. That they don't sure. want they don't want to lose games, but they will they will put their thumb on players, and they will put their thumb on. Yeah. The league and fans. But I think the league could say, okay, let's at least for, for the first month just say no fans across the board. Well, l- let me flip the question around this way. With what we know about COVID now and with with how we as a country have sort of operated, like we've said, we basically said as a country, we're okay letting old people be at risk if it means that younger people get to go on with their lives to some extent and push the economy forward as much as possible. What would be wrong with every NFL game having 5,000 fans? The St. Paul Saints locally, they're not putting 5,000, but the St. Paul Saints are putting fans it, in their stadium. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be. Sioux Falls is putting baseball fans in their stadium. It wouldn't be, but states are stopping it. Like here, because the Vikings play indoors. So mm-hmm. I believe the maximum amount of people at a large event is 250. Now, what you could... The Saints are putting more than that, though, aren't they? Yeah, yes. but it's open air, I think, too. I think that has to deal with you know it. What you could, you know what you could do here? You could go back to TCF Bank Stadium. Wow! If you went back and played in TCF Bank Stadium, Dude, I you love could, that idea. You could have decks. What twenty five hundred fans? Yeah. Five twenty five something, 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 something like that. And know what you could do? You could just I like think you could. You could just like move them from one. Like they they could all be sort of like behind the goal line that you want them to be to start the game, move and them. then like move them, move them to the other goal line to create noise. <laughs> yeah. when the opposing stay offense. compressed. We don't <laughs> care about social distancing, and if you want to take your mask off to make more noise, go right ahead. That'd be hilarious. So, well, I mean, it is a it's a topic that will be discussed here because it looks like there's going to be some stadiums that do have the competitive advantage of having fans. But the main topic we want to dive into here: Vikings training camp notes. Justin Jefferson, first-round pick, wide receiver, is turning heads at training camp. A couple different reports from yesterday, including uh, this one from Courtney Cronin. Actually, before I read this, our guy Chad Graff from The Athletic followed with his eyes. Like, he wasn't able to actually get down the sidelines, but 
Um, he followed Justin Jefferson around every step of the way at training camp and time-stamped his every activity, literally from, like, he's getting a drink of water. Wouldn't that be called he's stalking? He's standing in a meeting. He stalked Justin Jefferson. I'll be watching you. So you can check that out on The Athletic. But uh, Courtney Cronin, our friend from uh, Friday's Purple Daily episodes and ESPN.com, she wrote, rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson has received rave reviews in two full weeks of Vikings training camp. It's early, but even without a full offseason to integrate into the Vikings offense, Jefferson is proving he's worthy of his first-round status. Quote from Gary Kubiak, it's very encouraging. He's exactly what we drafted. Now, to this point, B.C. Johnson has emerged as the number two wide receiver on the depth chart. He's getting, if, if there's two wide receiver sets with the first-team offense, it's Thielen and B.C. Johnson right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jefferson is is receiving rave reviews for his quickness off the line of scrimmage, his route running, and just being able to pick things up pretty quickly. So as you start to get a feel for the first round of reports on Justin Jefferson, what are your thoughts? I like to wait for games to see what he can do. What do you mean? I'm sorry, but Coobs, I mean, look, God bless Coobs, great coach, but uh, what what if Coobs came out and said, okay, guys, I'm going I'm to be truthful here. This kid has lost his, I mean, look, I expect that, that Jefferson will be very good at some point in time here. Um, and you know what? Guys have been impressive. But all we and the coaches are watching right now are practices, right? I think it says more uh, I think it says more about in a good way, to be clear here, BC Johnson's development and maturation um right now than it does about speculating if Jefferson's going to be good or if he's going to be a star or if it's going to take some time. I love the fact that BC Johnson has clearly grabbed a role here. I mean, this is a seventh round pick from last year and he's a guy who, you know, played and was good, but we didn't know how good I'd say the most encouraging thing receiver wise is BC Johnson because he's smart. He can run routes. He's precise. He's everything that um, Treadwell and Patterson weren't. So so I'm wait and see on the draft pick because you don't know yet. But I'm very encouraged that the second-year kid who, who again, could, could turn out to be a very good Spielman late-round receiver pick is showing a uh, maturation process that clearly has him getting a ton of snaps. So I, How I, does that sound for positive? That, no, <laughs> that's good. And I agree. Like The things that we see and hear about in practice, like until even, even a preseason And game we've seen this before, Phil. I mean, we've covered this and gotten excited about things, and ultimately they mean nothing. Okay, before I get to my so, – because I have a take on Justin Jefferson too here. Um, which receiver tricked you the most in your time covering Vikings training camp? Oh, guys that looked great. Williamson and were for sure, because at times because he's so he was so damn fast, and at times in camp he did look good, and and he was the guy who would always come to camp with I did this, I found it, and you'd be like, oh really? Mm-hmm. And as a guy that that wrote stories, you know that's a story. Oh my god, the guy who's been a bust so far and, and was the seventh overall pick in the 2005 draft has found it. I'm going to write the story. You'd call your desk. Troy Williamson talked, and it's great. He's been to the Nike Clinic. He's been catching balls off jugs machines. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I probably got fooled by him at least twice. But the key was, in Mankato, Phil, in those one-on-one drills against corners, right? 
if Troy could catch the ball, he was so damn fast that you said, oh, okay, now he got it. Yeah. So he fooled me because he probably fooled me at least twice. I was probably fooled the most by Jamar Johnson and maybe Andre Allison in that, like, oh, these guys are sleepers. These mm-hmm. aren't, you know, first round picks. These are sleeper guys. And they're, and of course, they're going against the twos and the threes in practice. So they, of course, they look great. They're yep. going against like your sixth cornerback. Yes. And, uh, oh, wow, Jamar Johnson over the middle. And it's like, yeah, but it was, you know, sixth round pick cornerback guy that's going to be working How at a camps- gas station in two years. Did Jamar go to? <laughs> How many camps? It, it felt like it was he like was at camp for like 18 years. Yeah. Like every year, it'd be like, hey, there's Jamar Johnson yeah. again. Did you ever get tricked by a wide receiver, Dex? Greg Childs. Who unfortunately wow. tore his pectoral like th- three he times in like eighteen months or he something? He could have been good. Yeah, he could have been really good. I had, I had a lot of hype for him. I didn't. I wasn't able to see him play, but I know once once training camp started and his numbers he put up in his freak of nature body that I was like, oh, this guy's going to turn some heads. And unfortunately, yeah, that dude once again tore his pectoral. But but back to Justin Jefferson for a second. The reason why I do buy into what we're hearing at practice and and what we're seeing sort of like the things that Gary Kubiak is saying. Mm-hmm. All these other guys we've talked about, these other first-round picks, so Troy Williamson, Cordell Patterson, Laquan Treadwell, yes, there was excitement about them for different reasons, and like you know, fans thinking about the best possible version of them was exciting. The best possible version of Troy Williamson was this Joey Galloway burner down the sideline that was going to catch 15 touchdown passes, right? Cordell Patterson as this freakishly athletic, go-down-the-field, like, um, like the the best case scenario for him was very exciting. And Laquan Treadwell, it's like people talked about, boy, if, if he could be the next Anquan Bolden, big bodied guy, third and eight, yeah, possession. Box, box out the cornerback, you know, red zone guy. The problem with all three of these guys is they all had a major red flag or more than one red flag. Trey Williamson could not catch. And it wasn't like he was a big pass catching monster it still in, makes me laugh to this South day. Carolina right is everyone's college yes played you know. for Lou, for Holtz Lou no. Holtz was his coach it's not like the guy caught 90 passes a season at South Carolina like no. he was a project coming in no Cordero Patterson could not run routes Laquan Treadwell could not get separation or run routes or run routes yeah that was so, another problem like, like those are fatal flaws Justin Jefferson comes in and the word on him is he's a good route runner I'm not gonna say he's like a Chris Carter route runner but he's a good route runner yes he can catch yes and he can play either slot or outside and he has produced at both in college mm-hmm. so there's not the fatal and there's not even with Laquan it was like well, that dude tore his was it the hamstring off the bone at yes. one point he got hurt very like, badly man. in college you know Justin Jefferson doesn't have something like that coming in so he's he's coming in without like a glaring huge red flag i think the thing you would say is well he's not a super burner and, and so he's he's probably not going to be a guy that you know he gets like Randy Moss separation and he's only like 6-1 yeah. so he's he's not going to be you know Back of the end zone fade route guy, um, like you would see with some of these six three six four receivers. But there's not like a fatal flaw with him that makes me think, all right, this is great. But can Wait, you actually on. catch? I'm a crossing pass? my f- fingers because I'm hoping that there's not. Because what would it be? It would be something. Well, we've been told people can do things in practice that they struggle with and don't do great in games. I'm not. Just keep keep in mind, Laquan Treadwell's first camp. We heard continually about how hard he worked, and he did this, that, and then he started to play yeah. games, and you're like, oh. so here's the weird thing. As you uh, go through that list, Phil Mackey, here's the weird thing about Vikings receivers in the last 10 years under Spielman and the uh, scouting staff. Think about this one. The juxtaposition. Cordero Patterson 
great athlete, no question, right? Like he is a guy who can do lots of things, but he couldn't he couldn't fundamentally do one of the most important things about the position that he was drafted at, okay? Treadwell. Like these two guys were just for what they were brought in to do, specifically were busts. The juxtaposition that intrigues me is how the hell are you then so good and you are at finding guys at the same exact position in the late rounds. Like, Diggs is not a good player. He's a great player, right? Johnson, I don't know, but he looks good, and he's a seventh-round pick. Yeah. Like, when you think about the development of of the top picks, which was not good, and there were clearly swings and misses on the scouting reports on those guys, as opposed to Diggs, fifth round, Johnson, seventh round, it really is an interesting thing when we're talking about the exact same positions. Here's another thing, okay? You want to talk about, you know, metrics and... And we are and, in the weeds right now of football. No, oh, this is great. Like, we are, into, this is great. We are in the marsh of football. Did you know? Where's my snorkel? <laughs> I need to find Justin Jefferson. Uh, hold on one second here. Because I have, I have a point I want to make. So, sure. Steph, so we, we think about Stefan Diggs as the deep threat that streaked down the middle of the field, and Kirk Cousins had this connection with him. The Denver catch. And, and how are you going to... And actually, the Broncos catch. He's behind everybody and Yep, and we have, we have a note on that coming up in a new segment as well. But how are the Vikings going to replace that you know, wide-open Stefan Diggs or Stefan Diggs getting a step on a cornerback? Sure. Just in terms of 40-yard time coming out of college, Justin Jefferson, 4.43. He's not a burner. 4.43. Stefan Diggs, 4.46. Mm-hmm. You know, Stefan Diggs, uh, six foot, 191 pound guy. Justin Jefferson, six foot one, 202 pound guy, slightly bigger. So I I don't know if they're that unsimilar or dissimilar, whatever the word would be. Justin Jefferson and, and Stefan Diggs, in terms of like physical. And, physical. And okay, now, yeah. Stefan Diggs is a master route runner, one of the best in the NFL, and Justin Jefferson has to get to that level. Yes. But I don't think it's that unrealistic that Justin Jefferson could come in and sort of be like diet Stefan Diggs out of the gate and then maybe have the upside to be Stefan Diggs okay. at some point. Which actually is a good segue because I brought up deep passes. Introducing a new segment here on Purple Daily. Get those nerds! 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 It is the nerd football segment of the week here, all right? So uh, I have always been into, like, baseball analytics is how I got my start in sports media here. And then I sort of transitioned to just all sports analytics in the early you days. of became a full-fledged nerd. Yep. So I love sports Huge. analytics. Um, you're more of an eye test, meat and potatoes guy who appreciates analytics. Yeah, that's fair. But Very I, fair. I would like to sprinkle in once a week or so sure. some, uh, some deep statistical analysis that leads to some sort of discussion, okay? Okay. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins' deep passing for a second. Now, mind you, these numbers included Stefan Diggs. So the question is going to be, what happens going forward here? Okay. But Kirk Cousins, according to Pro Football Focus, Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! had the third best passer rating on deep throws in 2019. A deep throw meaning 20-plus yards in the air. The ball is traveling. The only two quarterbacks with a better passer rating on deep throws were Patrick Mahomes. Can you guess the other one? Drew Brees? Nope. The other quarterback who had a deep, um, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird since you asked me to guess. Ryan Tannehill. You're in the right ballpark here. Okay. You're in the right region of the country. Deshaun Watson? Uh, A little bit further east. (laughs) 
Why don't you go ahead and tell me? Gardner Minshew. Oh! oh. <laughs> Gardner Minshew and Pat Mahomes. But, Darn it! But Kirk Cousins on deep throws last year was 24 of 61, which is 44%. Not terrible in terms of percentage. But he had nine touchdowns and only one interception on passes thrown over 20 yards. Wow. By okay. contrast, 15 quarterbacks last year had at least four interceptions on deep throws. They're just riskier throws. I was going to say, Kirk, Kirk does not take huge gambles ordinarily. That's very true. Philip Rivers uh, had nine interceptions on deep passes last year. He My threw guy. nine balls deep? <laughs> he threw nine deep into the arms of opposing How did he get uh, that deep? <laughs> well, I'm surprised you could get the ball that far d- down the field. It was prob- probably fluttering to some extent. Or. Poor Philip Rivers. So, so Kirk Cousins statistically has been a great, and I think the eye test clearly backs this up. He's been a great deep ball passer. When you give him, he's got a, a gr- good route, and you yes. give him protection, he can drop the ball in. Yep, he can drop. We've, some dimes. we've seen that a lot. So, so what are your guys' thoughts on on his ability to keep this status as a great deep ball thrower without Stefan Diggs? I think it depends personally, largely for the first eight games or so on BC Johnson. Because one, one, the attention, I think, to start the season is going to swing to one guy, Thielen. Like, I think the attention, and, and keep in mind, too, this is not saying that Kirk will throw a ton more picks on, on what you defined as deep passes. This is saying he won't make them. He will abort them. He will say, no, 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 Kirk doesn't take that chance. Kirk, don't play that game, okay? So it either becomes a sack or a check down. Yeah, it probably becomes a check down. It probably becomes a check down. But, but feeling on deep passes, I think, boys, to start the season is going to be a tough option. And I don't think Kirk will risk it. Johnson is the guy that could step in day one and sort of play that that digs roll. Now, Jefferson maybe eventually, but I don't think day one, okay? So so my sense, though, would be that, that we're going to see that statistic, not the interceptions, but we're going to see the overall statistic that you just gave me for Kirk probably come down at first because I don't think he's going to do anything that he perceives to be high risk and trying and trying to force the ball down the field for uh, Thielen would be high risk to start with. So my guess is... For the first half of the season, if not more, those numbers come down based on based on the risk factor. Dex, what do you think? Dex, do you think Kirk Cousins takes a huge bath as a uh, as a deep ball passer without Stefan Diggs? Uh, he's definitely going to be missed because Diggs is an unbelievable deep threat option. And if even you look at like all the great deep ball highlights that Kirk Cousins had last year, I know NFL just put it out on his birthday. I think like ten of the seventeen passes that were like traveled twenty yards last year went to Diggs. And there was numerous ones that we all remember, the Broncos game, the Eagles game. I still think Diggs, uh, excuse me, that Cousins throws a good enough deep ball that there's going to be a little bit of a curve, but I don't think, like, I don't see him falling off the map and not being able to hit that. I think he'll still take their chances. It's just more of, can B.C. Johnson, who is more of, a, I think, a possession guy, can he turn into that outside guy? Is Justin Jefferson ready to be Stefan Diggs and go on the outside? I think those are the bigger questions, so... He might limit the amount of deep ball throws, but I still think when he takes those shots, he's going to hit them when he does. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I mean, it just remains to be seen. I actually think it's going to be, I know Justin Jefferson is likely to work a lot out of the slot. That does not mean he can't also be running deep routes out of the slot. We've seen that with Stefan Diggs. We've seen that with Adam Thielen. So don't rule out Justin Jefferson as a deep ball threat just because he's going to be working out of the slot. There are ways to get him down the field and open. 
Um, and so I, I actually think I'm not going to put it all on BC Johnson. Adam Thielen has been a deep ball guy. I mean, hell, yes, Adam Thielen right. caught the, but the, he's the, the number most one prominent guy deep ball of Kirk Cousins' career but last he, year. But he, he now is going to draw attention consistently that he didn't consistently draw before. Yep. That's the thing that's going to be tough. I've got one more nugget for you here. Back to Justin Jefferson to ease any sort of angst about, all right, the Vikings have had three first-round bust wide receivers, you know, Laquan and Troy Williamson. All right, Troy Williamson. His best year in college, okay? And he's playing in the SEC, okay? This is not that long ago. This is like 2004 yeah, they, SEC. They didn't really throw the ball that much, I don't 43 think. 43 catches. Yeah. And, and a lot of, lot of deep stuff. He he, uh, he, was, he averaged 19 yards a catch. He was fast catches? at the combine is why they drafted him to replace Moss. Laquan Treadwell, best year in college. He did catch 82 passes for 1,100 yards his last year at Ole Miss. But a ton of questions, like we said, about injuries, et cetera. Okay, Justin Jefferson, his last year at Ole Miss, caught 111, or I'm sorry, at LSU, caught 111 passes and played Florida, Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi, all right? He caught 10 passes for a buck 23 against Florida. He caught 7 for 79 against Alabama. On the road at Ole Miss, 9 for 112 and two touchdowns. 14 for 227 and four touchdowns against Oklahoma in a playoff game. Oklahoma defense they optional don't really there. play defense, yeah. But still, like, it's biggest good. game of your it life at that good. point. Yes. So I just don't think there's a huge – I think the floor on Justin Jefferson is not really that much of a question. I think the floor on some of these other guys was like, ooh, that could be a bust. Mm-hmm. If Trey Williamson can't catch, that could be a bust. Yeah, but how, the ceiling is the question. how quickly can you expect him to step in and, and play a prominent role is my question. And I don't know – it might be early. I have no clue. Yeah. But that's. But my main thing is, hey, look, the guy might eventually be good, but when is it? Is it week four? Is it week eight? Is it 2021? Don't know. Yeah. Well, that is Get your those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! football nerd segment of the week here on Purple Daily. And that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Uh, thank you to everyone. We are two, as we record this, we are two subscribers away from 9,000. Somebody do it. Pull the trigger. YouTube.com slash score north. We appreciate everyone clicking the subscribe button and everyone giving us positive reviews on uh, on Apple if you listen in podcast form. And we will see you next time on Purple Daily. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.